by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Happy Father's Day. Let's give all the fathers in the house a warm show of appreciation. We might, might not all reach that standard, you know, but hey, we've done some good in our lives. We've done our best, and so uh, happy Father's Day. Could we stand to our feet and say happy Father's Day to the greatest father of all? Let's just give the Lord some praise in his house for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Come on, out of your heart shall flow lit rivers of living water. Come on, praises to the Lord. You need to let it out. We will shout. We will shout his name. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Well, I'm glad to be back in town. Me and Angie missed y'all so much. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> no, we really did. We love you guys. We hate to be away from you, but we left you in good hands. We have a good leadership team here uh, Joe's on vacation, I think, this week, but didn't he do a fantastic job? Didn't Nicholas do a fantastic job two or three weeks ago? Good job, Nicholas. Man, we just have so much, uh, we just have such wonderfully gifted and heartfelt people who love the Lord in this place. This is my church. I'm happy to say this is my church, and I hope you are too. And if you're a visitor today, we got some uh, visitor cards on the seat behind you. I didn't put one up here today, but they got a little red passion logo on it. And if this is your first time visiting, if you'll fill that out and turn it in at the Connect Desk, we got a gift gift bag we'd like to give to you. Let you know we're glad that you're here today. Amen. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll just get right on into the Word of God. Father. Thank you for showing us how to be men, how to be leaders of our household, how to be fathers, how to be daddies. Your word says that you sent your spirit into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. That's like what we would say here in America is daddy. You're not just some far off dad who takes care of the bills, but you're a ever present Abba in our lives. And you make us feel special. We want to make you feel special today. We want, we want our lives to bring glory and honor to you. So open our eyes and our ears to what your spirit would say to us today, what you would have us do. We want to be obedient and a blessing to you on this, this beautiful day that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Like I said, me and Angie, uh, we were out of town last week. We were down in a place called Fort Pierce, Florida. It's way on down south, and that's where her mother lives, and we were doing some visiting, but we were, Angie, she's such a good vacation planner. I mean, she just did a wonderful job. She found us this magnificent condo on the beach in this little complex for $75 a night. I mean, you can't even hardly get a hotel for that. And 
we got there and it was it looked like uh what's that little guy that used to say the plane the plane it was it looked like what was that Fantasy Island or something. I'm talking, we walked down, there's palm trees lining the road and just meticulously uh, the grass and everything. And it was a nine-hole golf course, three par three golf course built into the place. They had tennis courts. They had shuffleboard. They had a, its own restaurant. And uh, it's just so laid back down there. We just really enjoyed ourselves. And I kept looking at that golf course, and, and I thought, I have... You know, I've played a lot of expensive golf courses around here and stuff. And I have never seen anything like this. This looked PGA to me. I mean, it looked better than some of the PGA uh, courses that I've seen them play on TV. This was like the Masters. I mean, they must have got out there with some scissors and cut this thing. And they were out there all the time just working on it. And I thought to myself, man, I'd love to hit some, you know, be able to play this course, but it's got to cost $100 a round or something, you know, just to, to play on a course of this quality so the first three or four days we just walked across it you know it was right out out our back porch and we'd walk across one of the greens and and go to the beach you know and I was saying well Angie one day we're going to go up here and see you know how much it actually costs to play because I did bring my clubs and I would like to try to play at least one round you know if I can afford it so one day the fourth day we were there I think we went up there and looked for the clubhouse and some guy said, oh, it's that little shack over there, you know, on, on the first tee, but we don't have anybody man it anymore. I was like, what? I said, well, well, how much does it cost to play? He said, it's free. <laughs> if you're staying here, he said, you can just walk off your back patio and start playing. I was like, what? <laughs> it was already too late in the afternoon that day, so I said, in the morning, Angie, you know. So we got up bright and early the next morning. I talked her into going with me. She don't usually like golf or whatever, but she said she would walk with me because it was so beautiful, she had to admit. And so I got up early, and it was a Monday. It was Monday, and I was thinking to myself, you know, there's not going to be anybody playing on a Monday or something, so it would be a good day to play. Well, I went out there, and they were mowing the, the fairway on the one that was outside of our patio. Two guys on, you know, those big riding lawnmowers and everything, and they, they saw me coming out with my clubs, and so they pulled over to the side and said, go ahead, go ahead. We'll wait. Like that didn't put a pre some pressure on an old man. I know how much work these guys put into that meticulous tee box and that fairway that just looked like carpet, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, no pressure. And so I ain't even stretched or nothing. And being an old guy, you know, I'm doing this number here. You know, all the things I try to do to stretch. Some of y'all seen some pictures of me on uh, online, unfortunately. <laughs> Angie's making fun of me at my expense okay so anyway so I'm like okay okay calm down calm down and I put the ball on there you know it's a par three so I had a, an iron and I'm thinking all I gotta do there there's over there watching me you know no pressure and so I was like just 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 hit it down there just nice and easy so I got my balance my shoulders and everything and I'm got my head straight okay just all I'm gonna do is a nice easy swing and just like I normally do, I came back real nice and smooth, but something about right there always gets me on the back. Something about right there, I just lose my mind and go, yeah! <laughs> I start out with good intentions, but on the way down, you know, I give it everything I got. I was like a nice, easy swing turned into whop, and I took up about four inches of dirt and just threw it further than the ball. The ball went about there in the... The divot went away out there further in the ball. And I went like this. And I looked over to those two guys, and I expected them to get off my course. You know, what are you doing here? What You don't know how to play golf? And they were over there chuckling. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. 
tee it up again, try it again. And I thought, wow, that's pretty nice of them because I know the, the work it must take. Because that was the only divot on that <laughs> tee box. And I did notice they had a bucket of sand over there, and you're supposed to pour sand in your divots. So I went, got my ball, went a little further and got the divots and picked them up and went back and put them in the hole and filled it with sand, got the sand out of the bucket and put some in there and said, and then teed up again. Well, I'm, I'm happy to say that by the second shot, I did hit it almost on the green. So we went on, had a good time, and uh, played the whole nine holes. And Angie walked with me, and she had a good time. Why do I tell this story? I don't know. But I got a sneaky suspicion there might be a point or two I have in, in this story that I'll tell you about later. In the meantime, let's turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 14. I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version. Just for a hint, the title of today's message is entitled, A Round of Grace. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Everybody knows who the Word is, right? That became flesh is Jesus. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Say grace and truth. Did you notice that grace was mentioned before truth? Because that's often where we need it, isn't it? Aren't you glad that the Word of God is full of grace and truth? I am. I mean, truth by itself can be a little too strong at times. If you go on down to verse 16, it says, And of His fullness... We have all received. It's talking to Christians, obviously. If you've received Christ, you've received the fullness of Christ. you received all of him. You have access to everything, right? You didn't just get the, you know, the, the discount package. You didn't get the economy version of your Christianity. Though you couldn't even afford that, right? But we were given... The full meal deal. We get to play golf for free. And we have the fullness. And of his fullness we have all received. And grace for grace. I thought what does grace for grace mean? I mean. Well I think this is what this message is about today. I'm trying to give you grace to receive grace. I'm trying to give you the understanding that this is yours. I'm trying to get you to see that we have grace on top of grace. We have grace to help us understand the grace that we are to be walking in. We have the fullness of God, and we have grace for grace. Charon anti charitos is the Greek, and it means received grace upon grace. Have you received grace upon grace? You may not know it, but you have. Verse 17 says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. If I were to ask you today, 
as Christians, why are you going to heaven? I believe most of you would understand if you've been at this church for any time that it's by grace. It's not of anything that you've done. Ephesians 2.8, we're saved by grace through faith is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. It is solely by grace. We understand that we did not deserve our salvation. We concede our need of grace in salvation, but today's question is, what about sanctification? Does that same grace apply towards your sanctification? Does anybody not know what sanctification is? That is that period from when you give your heart to Jesus until he comes back. That where you begin to learn what this full package entails and, and learn to live out uh, work out this salvation, the Bible says. It's all, the, all on the inside, but we work it out. And how do we do it? I'm here to argue today that we work out our salvation by grace. We were saved by grace, and we're sanctified by grace. Are we living in the same grace we received at salvation? Are we just working, working, working? Some kind of works-based Christianity. And I wouldn't think there would be a need to preach this message. But I know I need to hear it myself. And I know the temptation is to get saved by grace and then live with a works mentality. Live like you have to earn it now. Like he's going to take away his love from you. And that's the way... The church in Galatia was acting, and it's common to man. Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, Paul says about this, how foolish can you be? Well, that's just foolish. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? Now, like most of you, I was taught that mercy is not receiving what you should get, like God's wrath. And grace, the definition that I often think about is receiving something that you didn't deserve from God, his unmerited favor. That's what grace is. It is something that you do not deserve. Do you know the moment that you try to pay for the grace that you receive, it ceases to be grace? So I looked up in the dictionary. What does the dictionary have to say about grace? Well, I looked up some modern translation of the dictionary, some modern version of it. And about, it had a whole bunch of stuff, like eight definitions. It was about the ninth definition before it said anything that sounded remotely about Christianity's version of grace. So I said, well, let me look at the Merriam-Webster dictionary. Webster. Just say, just say, well, Webster. <laughs> Merriam, I need to slow down. You know, it's hard for me to come down off of that platform and then go straight into preaching. I have to shift gears. So that's why I'm often tongue-tied the first half of my message. <laughs> just being honest with you. So Merriam-Webster 
he was a Christian. And I, so I said, let's see what he said. And the very first definition, if I'm not mistaken, that he wrote about grace was unmerited divine assistance given to humans for their regeneration or sanctification. So he included both. Regeneration is when you were born again. Regenerated a new creation in Christ Jesus. So we, got, we understand that grace. But he says, and sanctification. It's for the journey. Grace for the journey. Look at your neighbor and say, grace for the journey. For at least for those who are being sanctified. Some of y'all are just chicken fried. Some of you might want to be bona fide. I don't know. <laughs> I want to be bona fide. That sounds cool. But more than that, I want to be sanctified. I want to, I want to engage in that process. I want to be able to glorify God with my life. I don't want to get saved and, well, I got my ticket and then just turn everybody off from Christ because of the way I live. I want my light to shine. I want life to glorify Jesus. I don't know about you. The fruit of the Spirit only comes from our pursuits in the Spirit. You know what the fruits of the Spirit are. Love, peace, joy, long-suffering, patience, kindness, goodness, and all those things. That's the kind of life that God wants. That's the fruit that God wants us to produce. But guess what? We don't produce that by working for it. We produce that in the grace of God by living in the spirit, not in the flesh, you see. The arm of the flesh wants to be seen. But we need to hide ourselves in the spirit and live out of that new man that God called us to be. Life's planted in the soil of God's grace and truth. And that's found where in Jesus Christ? Thank you for answering. 1 Corinthians 15.10 in the New International Version says, But by the grace of God I am what I am. Can you say that? The Apostle Paul said that. He said, it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. And almost every Sunday that I can remember, that is part of my prayer, Lord. I am what I am by your grace. It's you in me. I, I empty myself. I try to empty myself that he may fill me. And that is the process of sanctification. I must decrease and he must increase. And we must tell ourselves, I am what I am by the grace of God. And then we need to make that true. We are not what we are by the mask we wear. We are not what we are by the, the facade that we have put on social media. Or the pretending that we do. We are what we are by the grace of God. And the more we rest in the grace of God, the more that we will glorify God and live in the fruit of the Spirit. I am what I am by the grace of God. And His grace to me was not without effect. No, no I worked harder than all of them. But wait, you said that. You said we're not supposed to work. I didn't say that. I didn't say, say that we're not supposed to partnership with God in this process. I'm not saying that we don't do good things and we don't uh, discipline our lives and, and that we don't 
create new good habits and that we don't try to learn wisdom from the Word of God and apply it in our lives. No, we have a responsibility in all of that. We're in partnership with the Holy Spirit in our sanctification. He is the captain, though. Let's let, let's hit, let the Holy Spirit be the captain of our sanctification. Amen? And so he said, no, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So he didn't just do it in the flesh. He did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And look at all the things Paul, the Apostle Paul accomplished in his life. It was amazing. And, and in the entire process of his growth, he was thinking, I am what I am by the grace of God. And he just flowed with the Holy Spirit. Not got out ahead, hey, look at me. No, I am what I am by the grace of God. And you know, as you give God all the glory for all the grace that you receive in your life, then it comes with more grace. It's built in. It's, it's the seed producing after its own kind. Amen? Good fruit doesn't fall out of a bad tree. But you've been made a new tree. We're supposed to do good things, supposed to do acts of kindness and love and show mercy and all those things, but we don't do it to say, hey, look at me. Look what I did. Did I tell you about I prayed for three hours last night? Did I tell you that I'm fasting right now to be seen of men? If we're doing that, we're doing it wrong. Or if we're doing it out of a sense of obligation, I think. that Once again, you get over into the area of you're trying to Earn it, and it ceases to be grace. You're not living in God's grace if you're trying to earn His grace. I know one of the things that I, I personally struggle with, I've told you many times, is condemnation. I feel bad, like I'm not doing enough, and it's, it's the devil whispering in my ear, you know. He knows the buttons to push. And so... Often I'll do things out of feeling guilty, feeling bad, out of condemnation. Is that a work of the Spirit or of the flesh? And doesn't it say in the, in the end that our works will be tried by fire and the ones that don't survive will be burned up? Why do you think they will be burned up? What will... How will the, our lives be judged? I believe... Primarily by our motives. What was in our heart when we did what we did? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, doesn't it say that we can do all these things, even give our lives, our bodies to be burned, and we do all this stuff of we have not love, it profits nothing. Wouldn't it be a shame? For you to start that great work in the Lord? Wouldn't it be a shame for you to pastor your whole life or, or work down at, you know, this place or that, serving others at the hospital or at the old folks' home or something? Just giving yourself in service only to find that when you got to heaven, your works were wood, hay, and stubble and burned up and didn't count for anything because your motives were wrong. It's important that we learn 
to get our motives right. When we do things out of obligation or condemnation, that's religion. Not the good kind of religion where you care for orphans and widows, but I'm talking about the world's kind of religion, the fake, full of human traditions and, and uh, heaping condemnation on each other and rules and regulations. And that's, that's the kind of religion that's messed a lot of people up, and that's a lot, why a lot of lost people don't want what we're offering because they're not seeing the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're seeing condemnation. And so God knows the thoughts and intents of our heart. So you can, you can continue and say, hey, that's why I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. But only you know if in your heart that your motives are right. And you're doing it because you, you just want to love on Jesus. Love is always the best motive. Even good works when born of wrong motives won't produce godly fruit. Do you trudge through your Bible reading? Oh, I'm just going to do a chapter. I can't do two chapters. Oh. Or maybe you say, I'm going to do three chapters and show God how much I love him. Or what, you know, I, be I better go to church this Sunday. I missed the last three. They're going to think I'm on vacation. I better, you know, I got to keep up appearances. They will think I, I lost my salvation, you know. It's important that Jesus helps us get the right motives. Those things are how the flesh operates, and we need to learn to live in the Spirit. So, how do we change our motivations from works based to grace based? From obligation to loving dedication. From I have to do this to I want to do this. What do we do? What's the keys, Pastor? Write them down and I'll do them. I'll show everybody. <laughs> First of all, I would just say, as I say to myself, relax. Relax. God's got you. You can just relax, man. You remember the whole sermon I did, sermon series on just be free? I'm still trying to get that. <laughs> I'm still trying to learn to just be free. Is your life a quest to know him so that you can love him more? That's what Christianity should be. Simple, isn't it? Love is always the right motive. And when you seek to love him and to know him, you'll find that his well of grace is a deep, deep, deep well that you'll never exhaust it. It'll meet your every need. And then 
all the things that used to be so hard to you, like your Bible reading and coming to church and things that, you know, felt like such a struggle. All of a sudden, they'll be, I can't wait to get in my word this morning. Man, it's only Friday. How many days till Sunday? Man, we're, I'm going to worship him when I get there Sunday. I'm, I'm going to join with my brothers and sisters. Man, we're going to lift his name up. I'm going to shout. I hope pastor gives us a place to shout, you know. I can't wait to hear the word of God because I just, it's him speaking to me. It's my creator. You see, your heart begins to want and crave after the things of God. And you want to go deep. And deep is calling unto you. Deep is calls unto deep. He's saying, come on away with me. Let me take you to a place that you never even knew existed. But why don't you reside in the shadow of the Almighty? Why don't you stay under the wings? Why don't you stay so close to me that they can't tell me from you? Why don't you, why don't you reside in the glory cloud with me? God is calling us to love him in that way. Let's see where I was at before I interrupted myself. The more grace we receive, the more we have to give. And I guess that's why legalistic people are so hard on other people. That's why they make their children seem, feel so bad about themselves that they turn away from the church. And they just go around picking out flaws and, because they don't know grace themselves. They have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. And the power thereof is love. I went to a Ford dealership one time, and I was looking through the used vehicles and stuff, and I got to the end of the parking lot, and I looked over the fence to the employee parking lot over there. It was all Ford vehicles over there, except for one Chevy truck. And I thought to myself, they must give that guy a hard time. Because how, how do you sell something that you don't use yourself? How do you offer to someone else that which you don't have? That you don't believe in? You don't. And that's why you see so many people making a mockery of God's grace and calling themselves Christian. In the process, Jesus says to love others as you love yourself. He knows that if you don't love yourself, you can't love others. And he also knows that if you don't experience and walk and live in his grace, then you won't have any to give other people. And let me tell you, my friends, it is the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. I have never been able to argue anybody into the kingdom of heaven. I may, I may win the argument, clearly, because I have the truth on my side, but I have never turned anybody's heart by arguing them into heaven. It is the goodness of God that leads others to repentance. 
Mary, I hope you don't mind that I share with something you shared at uh, prayer this Tuesday night. Mary is such a wonderful prayer warrior, comes almost every Tuesday and often gets word, a word from the Lord that she often shares with us. Now, if I butchered this, I'm sorry, this is just what I remembered what you said, but she said the Lord had spoke to her and said that she should recalculate in her, estimate, in her estimation what it cost to serve him and recalibrate her heart to love him. Recalculate in your estimation what it costs to serve him. And I'm just going to be honest, it's hard. I hope you didn't sign up to be a Christian and thinking this is the easy road. This is the narrow road. But it pays great dividends. So you must, along the journey, recalculate. Continually recalculate what it's going to cost me. And am I willing to pay it? And if you feel like there's a, a deficit in what you're willing to give and what God is asking of you, then you need to recalibrate your heart. You need to remember what he did for you. You need to remember your why. Why you do what you do. You must have gotten your eyes off of Jesus if you're not willing to pay the price to take up your cross and follow him. You must be doing it wrong if it's such a chore. So, pastor, what are the ways we grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Let me write them down so I can begin to do them. I wrote down 21 ideas. <laughs> but I'm just going to go through them quickly. Angie said, uh-huh. <laughs> you going to write fast? You going to listen fast? Number one, always check your motives. We've already talked about that. Along the journey of life, you're going to have to check why you're doing what you're doing. Chad, do you check yourself and say, why am I still leading music here? You check your motives. Why are you doing what you're doing? Remember your why. Number two, you've got to accept that you're not perfect. That none of us have it all together. That you're going to make mistakes, and that's part of the journey, right? You're merely striving to be perfect and striving to be holy. And God knows that. Part of grace is understanding that we, we ain't arrived. Number three, give God avenues to reveal himself to you. Man, you're talking about joy on the journey. It's when God has spoken to you and you've got a clear word from the Lord and he, he, like he gave Mary that word that radically changed her life as she begins to meditate on it and has shared, was able to share it with the church here today and it's going to change our lives. When you hear from the Lord, you see him setting up situations in your life. Oh my goodness. To know, just to have that consciousness that God is with me. He's working in my everyday life. He cares about my job and my little stuff. He cares about what I ate for breakfast this morning. And how do you do that? People say, I don't know God's will for my life, but they never read his will for their life. They don't spend any time in the word of God. 
This is how God talks to you. Prayer. You talking to Him, listening to Him. He's speaking to your spirit. The basic things. Give God avenues to, to, be, to get His hands of grace in your life. And it'll motivate you down the journey of life. Number four. Be quick to confess, repent, and receive forgiveness. Put it behind you and move on. Do you believe 1 John 1, 9, that if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness? Or are you just, well, I, that and I have to beat myself up for six weeks. I must show him how sorry I am. How about you do him a big favor and just say, I receive it because by faith, because you said it. And you forgive yourself and you live from a clean slate. You don't let all that begin to heap on you. You're still saying I'm sorry about something I did six weeks ago. Well, what are you going to say about the stuff you're heaping on today? You're carrying a shopping cart of old past sins. When he wants you to live free, just be free. Receive your forgiveness. It's part of the grace package. And you'll do better Staying away from sin if you're not so sin conscious. Number five, rehearse your blessings often. Practice a life of thankfulness and praise. When you're feeling down, just start thinking about how good it was that you had warm water in your shower this morning. Thank you that your lungs are still breathing. Good air. Your heart's still beating. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff tough in the world. But don't focus on that. Focus on the goodness of God. Number six, get involved in church like it's what Jesus is doing on the earth. Because it is. He said, I will build my church. He didn't say somewhere along the line, we'll do it for the first thousand years, but then I'm going to focus on something else. This is where you're supposed to be. If this is your home church, this is where God planted, you're supposed to, to bloom here. And to bloom, you got to be planted. And to be planted, you'll begin to grow. This is God's avenue for you and for us to fulfill the banners that he has on these walls. I don't know how many times I have to say that. We're still a bunch of lone rangers thinking, well, I'm going to do this. You know, church is just feeding this. But, you know, I just go there to get ready for this. Well, this is what Jesus is doing on the earth. Number seven, learn to accept God's goodness without feeling like you have to earn it. Number eight, be honest with God. A lot of people, they're trying to con God. That's just so crazy. Like he didn't see it all, you know. Like he don't know the thoughts and intents of your heart. Does it make you, make you feel better that you... You told God a lie and you think he believes it? You're lying to yourself. Learn to be honest with God. You say, well, I don't want to say nothing bad. Well, have you read the Psalms? I think about 50% of what David said was complaining in the Psalms. He would complain, where are you, God? Why have you left me here? What? He would be honest with God, right? But by the second half of the psalm, he's saying, oh, you, oh, there you are. You came through. I, I, I'm sorry, God. I wasn't paying attention. I, I should have known you was going to come through. Then he would praise God. But he was honest with God with his feelings. Wouldn't that be 
refreshing that I can be honest in my life. Remember grace and truth. How about we be truthful people? Number, where am I at? Number nine, seek God's will. You might as well just forsake your own. Whatever plans that you had, you know, if they ain't from God, then they, they're not going to be what's going to be fulfilling. Only God's purpose being fulfilled in your life is going to be fulfilling to you. You understand that? That's what you were made for. Let Jesus lead. Father knows best. Number 10, spend time appreciating God's creation because he made it for you. He made it for you to enjoy. You know, I always feel guilty when we go on vacation. Like, people are going to say, well, pa- where's pastor, you know? Man, you don't want a worn-out pastor up here. I can tell you that. It's in your benefit that I get some rest and relaxation from the craziness of this world sometimes. And I shouldn't feel bad about it. Number 11, live to give. Grace is best experienced from the giving end. Yes, we receive grace, but it's even better when we get to give grace. Jesus said it's better to give than receive. And it's the same way with grace. So be a graceful person. Number 12, stop policing other people's sins. They're not your children. They're his. I'm not saying you can't gently help somebody get back on track. You can speak the truth in love. You can pray for them and whatever. But you're not the Holy Ghost. You're not the Holy Ghost police. Refuse all hints of self-righteousness. Number 13, live heavenly minded. Kingdom conscience. Anchored in the hope to come. That'll see you through the hard times because this light affliction is but for a moment. Woo! But it's working for me. Number 14, don't blame God for everything like the heathens do, like the devil tries to get you to do. Guess what? The wages of sin is death for the believer and the unbeliever. So, there's a good chance that what you're going through is because you didn't listen to him in the first place. Whatsoever man sows, that will he also reap. All this is built in. Stop blaming God. You did it. Ask for forgiveness and, and plead for his mercy. But don't blame God for, the, for your life, for your choices and your decisions. And if you're going through something that's... Uh, Not of your own making like Job or something. and It's a test. And he's working it out. He's he's strengthening you, making you bigger on the inside through this test. And so that's a good thing. So stop letting everything that doesn't go your way just throw your world into a tizzy. Learn to be happy. Number 15. Find your lane in life and live in it. Stop trying to tell other people what to do. Stop trying to do their job for them. 
Where is God have you right now? How about you stay right there? You ain't got to be uh, in charge of everything. Live out of your giftings. You remember if you've been to the next step class, that we, we have a giftings test on, on the second Sunday. And uh, we find out what our strengths are. And I tell everybody, don't go looking at the things you didn't score high on and say, well, i got to get better at all these. If God wanted you to get better at all those, he'd have gave you th that as a strength. He wants you to concentrate on your giftings. Live out of your giftings. Your, your, your gifts will make room for you. Just be good at what God made you good at. And stay in your lane with it. Number 16. Release the need to be in control. That goes right along with that because you're not. Neither am I. God is in control. Let him have control. Let him take the wheel, so to speak. Let him sit on the throne. He's not your co-pilot. Uh, number 17, seek wisdom and understanding. Hunt for it like treasure. It's, it's more precious to your life than rubies and gold and diamonds and such. Number 18, Avoid a clustered life full of ungodly distractions. Because the devil is out there trying to just, hey, look at this, check this out. Hey, watch me. Look at me, look at me, look at me. He wants you busy. Number 19, refuse to be offended. And if you recognize you've been offended, ask God to forgive you. Because that's you accepting something you don't have to accept. You say, but they did this to me. They said this about me. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Okay. You don't have to receive it. If you're living to please an audience of one, what does it matter? You're taking offense to everybody. What is that helping? That's why some of you have been in 27 churches and looking for the 28th after this sermon. <laughs> it won't offend me. I'm telling you people that's so easily defended, offended about stuff, you walk around on eggshells, oh, what, calling them back 12 times, and then you understood, I didn't mean this, and I didn't mean that. That's a hard way to live around people. Please. Y'all glad I came back? I'm just trying to tell you how to live in grace. <laughs> Number 20, be content. Let godliness be your goal and watch it bear great grace in your life. Godliness with contentment is great gain. And then number 21, I just wrote down a scripture. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That, my friends, is a life worth living. Walking in this grace of Jesus. 
living in this love of God in constant fellowship with that Holy Spirit of God on the inside of you. When I look back this week about playing that round of golf and how I, I just dug up their nice tee box right in front of them. You know, for them to, to laugh it off and just chuckle and say, it's all right, that's what, that's, what we, that's what we built this place for, for you to enjoy yourself. And that's what God's saying to you. I, I created all this for you to enjoy yourself. God's not going to say, oh, I can't believe you've made a divot in your life. He knows that we're going to make divots. He's got sand right there to fill in the gap for us. It's called the blood of Jesus. He wants us to enjoy our round. And he doesn't want us to sit around thinking, what's it going to cost? What's it going to cost me? And, and spend most of our life not even getting on the course because we're afraid that we can't pay the price. He paid the price. It's free. It's the most beautiful course in the world. And it's free. Just get out there and enjoy the round. When you mess up, you cut a big divot, he's going to say, that's all right, that's all right. Try it again. I bet you'll hit it on the green this time. Get back up. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> and then you know what? When your family sees you living in that grace and having such a good time out on the course, Next time, they're going to say, I, I'll, play, I'll play around with you. You know who played with me the next day? You remember them golf clubs that I bought her? For, when she thought I was going to ask her to marry me, I gave her a set of golf clubs. You remember that? Then, then she didn't use them, and they had been sitting in the shed for 25 years. They're still up there, but you know what she did this week? She played around the golf with me and used my clubs. And she hit two pars on the par nine, or, or, or nine holes. It's a par three course, but, I mean, she really did. She's good. And you know what? If I'd have been moaning and complaining and fussing and throwing clubs and I hate golf and, man, I can't believe we got to go to the next tee. It's hot out here. The way many of us live our Christian lives. Murmuring, I got to go clean the church. Oh, Lord. I got I to gotta work the nursery this Sunday. Oh, Lord. If I'd have been doing that, she wouldn't have wanted to play with me anymore. She wouldn't walk with me and she wouldn't want to play. But now I think we, we got to hope that she might play again. I think she kind of enjoyed herself. And your family. When they see you living a Christian walk, walking in the grace of God, they're going to want that. And they're going to play around with you. We've got to go from Saul to Paul. Saul was a Pharisee. Rules and regulations. He was persecuting Christians. Jesus said, you're persecuting me. But he went from a Pharisee to one who you could say is like his master. 
It was a change. It was a shift from Saul to Paul. And that's what I'm trying to get to us. Stop being Pharisees and start enjoying learning to be with your master, to be like your master, to be graceful, full of grace and truth yourself. Paul said in Philippians 3, 6, he said, I was so zealous, he's talking about his past, that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Man, I was working hard to prove myself, he said. I once thought all these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. You see, when grace came along, he said, I'm, <laughs> this is what I want. I recognize a good thing. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. How do you know him? For his sake I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. And that's what I'm talking about. A life of grace is gaining Christ. It is pursuing him. It is knowing him. The best part of Christianity is not knowing one day you're going to be with him in heaven. It's knowing right now that I am with him. It's pursuing him, know that I may gain Christ, that I may gain the fullness of this salvation package that I have stepped into that was paid for by the blood of Jesus. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and even the fellowship of his sufferings. That it's me and Jesus. He is my why. And he is my how. He's how I'm going to get through this life. He's how I'm going to overcome. He's how I'm going to be the person and, and reach my potential that he created me to do. So right now, I want you to close your eyes. Today's challenge. I want you to think of something. I want you to think of something that you're doing out of obligation to, for Christ. Maybe it's coming to church. Maybe it's reading your Bible and you're not doing so well because you know it's for the wrong motives. Maybe it's you're helping a neighbor and you're saying, well, that's the Christian thing to do. I guess I might as well try. Whatever it is, I don't know what's going on in your life, but you know an area where you're doing it out of an obligation and not out of the right motive. I pray, God, that you'll show them right now, each and every one of us, an area of our life. Just pray that. Show me, God. Show me, God. Show me an area of my life that I'm not walking in grace. And then when that comes to you, I want you to say, Jesus, show me how to turn that around and to live grace-based. Show me how to turn this situation around. What do I need to do to do this out of a motive of love instead of condemnation or guilt or for appearances sake. Help me, Jesus. Show me what to do right now, Lord. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.